intro, 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 intro. It's intro time, and it is time for Flywheel, your number one source for everything Frax, DeFi, and everything in between. If you want to know what's going on in the world on chain, well, you've come to the right place. This is DeFi Dave here with Capital K, and we are here to help you harness the power of the Flywheel. And this time, we're bringing power back to the projects. We're bringing power back to the investors because we have on Ryan Nixon, who lays out the whole landscape of what's going on in the world of structuring, what's going on in the world of raising, and what's going on in the world of even like litigation. And those, we got some spicy war stories here. It's, and you know, I just want to like reiterate: nothing here is legal advice. But you know, things get like we get real deep in the weeds here. Uh, Kit, what are your thoughts? You know what I'm going to say, bro. Listeners know, yep. and, and, and the audience, grab your pen, grab your paper, and take notes. And especially if you're a founder kind of early into your founding journey, there's going to be a lot of legal insights here that, you know, Ryan is being very real and delivering the yeah. only like the if you know, you know, and speaking from experience. You know, just for a quick recap, he was a previous general counsel of Solana. He's, you know, helped projects navigate through millions and millions of fundraising. And he's also helped project navigates through SEC, uh, informal and formal investigation. So, mm. yeah. Yeah. And my favorite part is at the end, how we tie everything together and show people like, hey, there's foot out there, but you should just keep building and remember why we're here. Four. And if you want to see every episode of Flywheel, every time we come out with something, make sure you hit that bell button, subscribe, leave us a like, let us know what you think in the comments. You can follow us on Twitter at FlywheelDefi. Make sure you follow us on Telegram. Join the conversation over there at FlywheelDefi. You can follow me on Twitter at DefiDave22. Follow me at 0x capital underscore K. Subscribe to our Substack, FlywheelDefi.com. And let's get the Flywheel spinning. Do you hold ETH? but don't know what to do with it? Want to earn those juicy liquid staking derivative yields, but don't know where to start? Well, FraxETH is there for you. FraxETH is Frax's native LSD solution, allowing you to earn boosted yields in multiple ways on your ETH. If you want to get started, go to app.frax.finance and turn your ETH into FraxETH today. Welcome back everyone to this episode of Flywheel. I'm your host, DeFi Dave, here with Capital K. And today we have returning to the pod, super lawyer, Ryan Nixon and the legend, let me, uh, the legend himself. But before we get into anything, nothing here is uh, legal advice. Nothing. Go consult with your lawyer if you want legal yeah. advice. Hire Ryan if you want, but nothing. Here's the disclaimer: nothing here is legal advice. Ryan, he's been a busy man at Horizons. A lot going on, especially in the U.S. over the past six months since we last talked. And I think uh, something that everyone wants to know. Um, is it safe for U.S. crypto companies in the U.S. right now? Like, what is the current environment right now? And how has it changed in the past six months? Sure, as far as, like, running a company in mm -hmm. the U.S.? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I think there are a lot of schools of thought. Um, I do know there is real data that a ton of projects are leaving the U.S. It's a shame to see, right? Um, I think you can blame regulatory uncertainty. You can blame a lot of things. But I will say, um, and this is law. Right. Under Reg D, you can raise as much money as, as you want or up to a certain amount, subject to some requirements. Right. Um, that is law passed by Congress that cannot be affected by anything Gensler says or does. Um, I still think, you know, 
and, and we could talk a little bit more about structuring if that's what you'd like to later. Mm-hmm. But um, as far as projects being able to raise money um, in the U.S., properly set up their offshore structure, if that's part of it, which I think at this stage it really is, um, I don't think it – there isn't an easier way to do it than, than in the U.S., now to do that, you have to be, you, you know, you have to um, operate um, subject to some exception or um, exemption, right? And that's Reg D or Reg S. Um, without that, it's, it's, it's very hard for a lot of these projects that are US based to, to be able to pull capital together because it, ta- you know, it takes maybe six figures for some of this offshore structuring, regardless of the jurisdiction. Uh, how are they going to do that? How are they going to raise that without the entity? You know, it's the chicken and the egg problem. Right. Mm-hmm. So um, projects raising in the U.S. raise under Reg D, um, you know, consult a lawyer, do your structuring properly, comply with 144. I do think that is still the best way right now for projects that, that are a U.S. based to continue to raise here. Um, you know, unfortunately, I think there's been a lot of mixed messages uh, mm-hmm. in the space. But I mean, there still are a ton of projects that are raising under this exemption or exception uh one of the two and uh i you know i don't see it slowing down anytime soon uh i do wish that like gensler could say one thing and it would be very like political and would be good for him because it'd be a lawyer thing to say because it says something but doesn't say much but it would at least give comfort like he could come out and say hey um you know said this about disclosures said this about this you know transparency whatever um, projects in the U.S. can properly raise under Reg D and Reg S, right? Crypto projects. If you said just that, it really wouldn't change anything as far as status quo, but it would give a lot of comfort to projects in the space. You know, I always get asked that and it's like, yeah, here's one thing he could just put that on Twitter. Man, it, it would be uh, a big boom, right? Basically mm-hmm. for, for the space, at least for now. And so, you know, we, we get some regulatory clarity and I mean, I think it would be a good thing. Yeah. Got it. Could you imagine if if Gensler actually says that on Twitter, it'd be such a change of tone uh, from what we're used to seeing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, totally. Yeah. And it was like, and, it, and what would it do? He, he could still keep everything else he said, right? Mm-hmm. All his other statements would still apply, but it would at least give projects that like, hey, they're not going to be targeted unreasonably just because they want to stay in the U.S., which the U.S. government, the U.S. regulators, and the U.S. people have a, a vested interest in keeping mm-hmm. this economic activity over here, right? So yeah. And you mentioned, sense. you mentioned something about misconceptions yeah. that people may have right now. Uh, could we go into that a bit more? Like what are the biggest misconceptions around being in the U.S. right now? Sure. Yeah. I, I think there are a lot of misconceptions. I think there is a ton of FUD. Um, I think founders, U.S. founders, listen, you can receive tokens, have them locked up for a year, have them locked up for longer you know, restricting those tokens, regardless of that their utility securities or some weird new thing in between, um, that's okay, right? There are laws that deal with restricted securities, right? I think one of the things that isn't explicitly said by a lot of lawyers in the space, and, and frankly, you know, I think sometimes we are like directly explicit as well with projects is when they raise, again, just as, as I said prior, you know, we treat it as if it could be a security, right? Well, if the SEC does come after you, it's like, hey, again, we relied on a valid exception, let's say. Well, mm-hmm. what's the problem? There are laws and there are processes for dealing with restricted securities. 
just because you're a token founder and you're going to get a big chunk of tokens, whatever, as your, your founder's allocation, lock it up. Lock it up, restrict transferability. And and conversely, if like the space wants like some real tips, I do think, I mean, this is something me and my firm at Horizons have advocated for for a long time and, and we found sort of a renewed interest is in transparency, right? Disclose that. Disclose that on your DAO forum. Put on there, hey, here's what team vesting looks like. Here's when it starts. You don't have to go item by light item, here's every person with their wallet and their address and their social. Yeah, no, don't do that. <laughs> but you can say team, you know, this much, this percentage, this is when vesting starts. You know, the greater transparency, the greater disclosures, um, I do think is good for the space. I do think are good is good for participants in the space. And, you know, not to be controversial because everybody hates Gensler, I do think that is the one thing that he's said that I've agreed with. I mean, he's probably said some other things, but the disclosures piece, the being like increasing transparency, um, I don't really think, let me say it this way. My firm, we spent a lot of time looking at SEC committee regs on transparency disclosures, like trying to like derive these rules. I do think that this something that the crypto space could really like focus on, especially right now is here. Like, let's show everybody why on like on chains better, why crypto is more transparent. It's not just, oh, I can track, you know, your wallet address. It's here. Here are like DAO forums with like great educational tools on what mm -hmm. this is, on what tokens do, on how to use stuff. Here are sort of under the hood, maybe, you know, not as like bright and shiny facts, right? Here's mm -hmm. what the team gets. Here's what investors mm -hmm. get. Here's mm -hmm. what the lockups look like. Oh, you want to give investors really short lockups, you know, a little over a year, let's say, still be compliant, et cetera, right? Not legal advice. But let's say you want to do that, right? You get pushed by your lead to, to, give, to give them a good deal. Well, tell the lead, hey, we got to disclose this, mm -hmm. right? I mean, projects in that way can also, you know, take the power back a little bit from VCs um, with this sort of focus in mind, right? Uh, right. The, the, the greater transparency, the greater these disclosures, the greater... Um, a person can like jump on a project's website or DAP and click around and learn things. I, I think the better for everybody. So, yeah. It's not right. just about this virtual signaling about the chain being transparent. It's about like actually showing, utilizing like, hey, these are when the lockups uh, are due. Hey, like, look at this, like, like using the power of the chain. And I just think about uh, in terms of transparency, Kit, you saw Frax's balance sheet the uh, other right. day, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And Ryan, uh, that block this? by block balance sheet it was great um so 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 Ryan frax released a balance sheet of literally assets and liabilities of every single holdings for the frax stablecoin so you could go in there and go line by line to figure out that transparency but what you were speaking about is like off-chain transparency right and that is like both, bringing both, all of yeah. that exactly both, both. Right? but yeah. being able to deliver both and that's kind of like the the ethos of, of crypto already uh but actually Ryan, i want to take a step back and ask you the kind of the nuances between the a saft a safe a safe with token warrants uh price rounds like could you walk us through all these kind of different instruments and kind of the implications sure Sure. La last quick thing before we go to this, if, mm -hmm. if I can just show one other really, I think, yeah, special yeah. thing. Mm -hmm. um, and, and it's and it's and it's manageable is um, when I was at Solana Foundation, uh, Solana Labs, sorry. Um, you know, there was this idea of a transparency, transparency report. 
Solana did some. Um, I, I don't know where they're at right now. I don't work with them anymore. But this idea of like a, you know, three or six month, here's where everything's at here, you know, almost like projects do for investors, right? Here's our investor update. Like mm -hmm. that is something else projects can adopt a transparency report that they maybe give to investors. They have available on their forum, um, you know, Paragons, which is uh, a DAO that I'm a part of and, and co-founded had a massive 30 something page, you know, transparency report showing everything they've done. Some of the losses they lost, they spent some money on this for, you know, to try to close this deal. It didn't work. You know, um, I, I think that that is just a very valuable thing that projects should consider and, and try to adopt as best they can. And again, I don't think it would be much different than sort of these investor updates with maybe some things redacted. Again, contact a lawyer. Don't just publish mm -hmm. all this private stuff about your investors um, without some actually reviewing it. So sorry, uh, Kit, what did you, what was your next question? Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. So um, I wanted to ask you to help, you know, if you could explain it like I'm five, the different types of funding instruments, right? These are all these acronyms, like a safe, like a SAF, like a safe with a token warrant and all the or price round, how that differs and the implications sure. of each of these instruments. Sure. So to go through all of them in, in, in real detail would probably take, you know, more than an hour or so. So I'm just going to give the overview, right? Yes. SAFs are, are more um, a function of fully offshore teams, right? So where none of the founders, really anybody is uh, in the U.S. And they are mostly, they were mostly used for everybody last cycle, right? SAFs have fallen under scrutiny because... Since the SAF contemplates this token, the SAF gave a security and the token can be a security, right? And there's arguments that it could be other things as well, but that's the long and short of it, right? Um, in this environment, in this cycle, we typically will see SAFs when a team is a European team and all of their, the entire team is European, fully European structure, maybe a Swiss structure. We've seen them sometimes with the Cayman BVI structure, um, but typically it's an offshore team because you know, it, in my opinion, and I think this is why you still see them over there, SAF just sort of makes sense. It's an agreement for tokens when they come out, you pay a certain amount for the token. It's very simple agreement. Like the understanding is very clear. You know, you get what you pay for, right? Um, safes or simple agreement for equity, right? And with the accompanying token warrant, that is more of the vogue right now in the U.S., and so what those basically say is, hey, we're going to invest mostly in equity, right? In exchange for this mostly like 99% investment into equity, we'll get a warrant that if and when there's a token, we'll have a de minimis exercise. Meaning we'll have a very small exercise uh, of the warrant to get the tokens. Now, again, it just feels a little bit weird that investors are going to invest into a project for equity. Now, safe the token warrants typically are onshore in the US, sort of what I was talking about earlier, right? Like under Reg D, we have seen in this cycle, because of all the regulatory uncertainty, a lot of safe and token warrants running through a Cayman LTD or like the, you know, the corporation equivalent in the Cayman Islands. Um, that's okay. I just think it's, it's again, a little unnecessary and um, it, it is, you know, it adds more to cost for projects, which again, I'm not really a fan of. Um, 
So what a safe token works says, I'm going to give you most of this money that runs to the equity. And because my investment goes to the equity, it's less likely that the warrant, which is sort of this ancillary agreement, this isn't the real part of the agreement. This is the real meaning of the agreement, the equity. Um, the warrant is less likely to be seen as like a securities offering as including what the warrant contemplates, which is the token, right? So for example, I have a, I do a, a million dollar investment into Kit's project, which is set and it's going to moan, right? Sick. Not financial advice. <laughs> <laughs> so no advice I, interview. No <laughs> advice here. No <laughs> advice. <laughs> I give Kit uh, a million bucks for his equity and his Delaware C Corp, right? And then it will have a warrant that should be fulfilled by typically an offshore um, structure, a Cayman VBI structure, maybe a Swiss structure, right? Now, of the million, I give one million for this equity. Again, there's a lot of variations of this and it can always take different shape, but typically it's a de minimis exercise, meaning 0.1% of the investment amount of equity is what it takes to exercise your warrant. So what is that? What's 0.1% of a million dollars? A thousand bucks. Right. So it's, but, but now let's make it real. So Kit has his token. He has his TGE, right? The token does well. I exercise a thousand for the warrant. This is where all the value is, right? And what I right. got from the warrant. And I have this equity in his C core, but Kit's been pretty public with, you know, with me, with others that like, hey, this is just a token play that, you know, this onshore piece will support it. But I mean, the pursuance of the DAO could get voted out. So this DEVCO could even get voted out pursuant to governance and now have no control at all, right? And that's like sort of part of decentralization, right? Is it can't always be just the core team supporting it. If they do a good job and they earn it, fine. But if other projects threw the hat in and they've done it, they're going to do a better job or, you know, they come from another protocol. Mm -hmm. Well, that's the name of the game, right? That's the name of decentralization. So, you know, adding some like numbers to it as an example, I think it, it makes the point clear where it just... It just doesn't it doesn't make that much sense now that said you know again in this kind of tricky climate i'm i am more of a fan of this approach because i do think it is more conservative even if let's say again the sath model is is um just makes better sense for token raises right let's say that um i i am way more of a fan in the us of the safe token warrant model for any sort of raising what you know through a delaware c court um Got so it. lastly price rounds price rounds are not just a saft which is a or a safe which is a simple agreement for equity future equity right simple agreement for future equity said it right um we're actually going to give you equity so you have to go through there's usually like four docs it's an investor it's a you know stock purchase agreement right of first refusal um investor rights agreement and uh, uh, a voting rights agreement, right? And projects that want to like check out what these docs look like can go to the National Venture Capital Association website, the NVCA website. Um, there are free forms. Again, I would definitely, for any founders that don't have a legal background, I would absolutely talk to a lawyer because they're, they're long, they're annotated. Like, you know, the whole point of price rounds for the investors is they get equity, they get control, they can, you know, they can enforce, they can bring a derivative claim, whatever, right? Safes cut that, right? Because they don't have actual equity. They have a right to future equity. And so 
under a safe, just to back it up, a safe will be a right for future equity. It's usually like the next round or next round or, you know, the second round after the safe round. And it usually triggers at a certain amount, but it can also be upon the second round. It has to be a price round. Or if they raise over $10 million in an equity financing, then it triggers into a price round. The point of, of waiting with safes is, you know, price rounds, you know, they cost $50,000, $40,000 just to get all the structuring done. You know, to issue equity and get it, you know, properly portioned, talk to tax people. There's a lot that goes into it. That's why um, in the Valley or just in fundraising in general, um, a safe in the token war makes a lot more sense. It costs less than fees versus doing a full price round. And that's why you don't see as many of them. Got it. Okay. So let me yes, just sir. recap really quick across the, the, the three. So a, a SAFT is a simple agreement for future tokens. And that is much popular for, you know, offshore, you know, whether it be in Europe or, or elsewhere, but just non-US. Like that's kind of like the way to go. Because it's the most simple. Is, yeah, is non-US. And it's typically, we've seen them mostly with European teams. But I mean, we have seen some Cayman SAFs as well. Yeah. Right, right. But that's like the most simplest because effectively you are only investing in the project for the tokens, not really equity. But in the U.S., we cannot have to hide behind this veil of a safe plus token warrant where the actual safe, which is the simple agreement for future equity, is where all the quote unquote meat of the investment is going into. And then there's this ancillary agreement about tokens sometimes down in the future with a tiny amount uh, of exercise cost. All right. And, and yep. that's the structure just to, you know, put on this this veil of protection. But in, in reality, the play is for the token. And then lastly, we have a price round, which is uh, just your regular old equity round investor puts in cash. They receives equity. But that is extremely expensive for a startup or an early project to kind of go through. Like you said, it costs almost 50K just to get the basics. Yeah complete it's a not expensive. so good old-fashioned price round that's yeah. the old school way that's the old Correct. old school way yeah the old, yeah. old school way and and i, yeah, I wanted cause... to ask about this safe and token war it feels very um soft right because <laughs> what's going on there? <laughs> 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 the office is coming apart <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Those price ones are real heavy, guys. It's heavy, heavy. Nobody's bag. listening in. Nobody's listening in. <laughs> well, that's a, a flywheel first, everyone. <laughs> so, <laughs> I think your Zoom background is pitching out. <laughs> I'm getting oh. sim swats. I'm getting hugged. Yeah. That was really funny. Oh, my God. Let's keep oh, going. No, no, no. I, I, I was like, wait, I think he's. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, right, so, right. So, so, just to recap it then. So, just, just to recap. Um, I think SAFs make the most like logical. They're the they more they're the simplest type of agreement that gives investors and projects just exactly what they're looking for. Mm -hmm. um, again, I think because of the regulatory uncertainty, they're not as in vogue in the U.S. I, I would not try to be a new you know project in 2023 doing a SAP offering in the U.S. I would not recommend that, regardless of mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. my speculation and conjecture. Now. So for that reason, we see a lot more of safe the token warrants, which to your point, Kit, yes, um, it is sort of like, why why does most of the money go to the equity? I will say, just to make things more confusing, sorry, there there is a good argument too for certain investors that'll say, well, these devcos, 
you know, they, they build out important IP, closed IP that maybe the project can use or sell or get acquired, you know, into. So there are uh, valid arguments that the equity could turn into something later. I, you know, I think it's also one of the things like time will tell. And we'll also see that like 99.999% of them didn't turn into anything. But, you know, that's the name of the game, right? Bryce Rounds is more of a function of older, like the older days in, in VC, right? Um, still is used, but is a more mature toward a sort of offering because it's more expensive on the equity side. Got it. And last last question in this kind of realm is like, if if the play is really for the token warrants, could a project just keep on doing safe plus token warrants for subsequent raises and never effectively yes. have a price round? And yes. Because and then the token warrant could still exercise independent of the equity, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So oh. good question. So mm-hmm. that's yet another thing where it's like, well, we're never really gonna have a price. You know, we we raise. Yeah. Safe and token warrant, we did our offshore structure, token comes out, you know, the warrant piece is, is fulfilled, and it's like investors will be like, okay, it, th- there'll be no disputes, no problems that their, you know, agreement for future equity is never really made into actual equity. And guess what? If the project becomes big and the investors go, hey, we need to do a price down, they're like, okay, 50K, whatever, we're in mature yeah. pro- protocol now, right? Like we, mm-hmm. we're flush, we have a healthy treasury, we have a healthy you know, Devco bank account. Here you go. Fine. You know, but the warrants already been fulfilled. So, you know, that, that's, that's where the recourse would come. Mm. Now, again, one other piece though, that, that I, I, just to make it again, one more time, a little contrarian and confusing. I do think safe and token warrants, sorry guys, try you know, this is what lawyers do, right? I do think safe and token warrants on the investor side provide enforcement protections, right? greater than SAFs do because what SAFs say is they go, hey, you know, Dave, you know, here's the SAF between you and Kit, right? You and Capital K, uh, we're going to give you X, you gave me a million dollars for, let's say, a million tokens. Then the SAF has 30 pages of risk factors. I know. I wrote, you know, I wrote these. I've I've done that. I've I've done a ton of these deals, done every kind of deal, but like, you know, you would have 30 pages of risk factors that the token may not, um, you know, behave as expected. Uh, it's an as-is warranty. The, the token might not even come out. And so what has happened and what we've been dealing with um, on the firm side as far as this cycle when it comes to disputes is when there is a staff, typically it's very hard to enforce because the investor, it's like buyer beware. And these are sophisticated investors, right? It says, hey, we may not even like, you know, launch a token. So what we see with a lot of projects is post SPF, it's like, hey, crypto blew up. Oh, we were on Solano. So, you know, like Solano got a lot of their activity. Mm. You could still watch a token. You, you know what I mean? Mm. But it's like, it's like an easy out. And it's this sort of, it's a slow rug. So with the safe and, and token warrant, you can at least get them on shore. And so I think for those reasons, mm. that does kind of oh, push it back into, yeah. So, so it's... it's, it's it's the really this weird middle space, you know? Yeah, it's like the best of both worlds. It's like, you know, provides the protection to the investors while uh, providing legal protection to the projects themselves. Right, right. Because yeah. going offshore, if it's like a Swiss association or a Swiss foundation or a Cayman BVI model, you know, you're going to try to sue it over there. It's going to be very expensive. And again, these SaaS will say, we may not even give you a token. You know, may not work the way it, but it may just blow up. 
Like there's a million of them, a million. And so, mm-hmm. yeah. And this, le- this leads really well to my next question. And this goes into uh, structuring for projects. Yeah, you have onshore, you have offshore, you have Cayman foundations, you have you know Swiss foundations, you have all these different types of entities. Uh, what are you seeing out there right now in the wild? And you know what do you recommend to projects? Sure. So I am, I am, I'm most a fan of either safe and token warrant onshore, right? Like if it's a U.S. team with a Cayman BVI structure offshore for your token piece, right? Um, I've also seen safe and token warrant onshore with a Swiss association or a Swiss foundation. So first looking at the Swiss piece, Swiss foundations, that's, that's the EF, right? The Ethereum Foundation is a Swiss mm-hmm. foundation. Um, first, they're very hard to form Swiss foundations because, again, I'm not a Swiss lawyer and I'm not a Cayman BVI lawyer for all of this, but I've just I've I've done it a lot. I'm very close to the MME guys um, in Switzerland, and yeah, I've gone through a ton of these structuring like calls and projects. So, uh, Swiss foundations, you typically have to capitalize them with actual fiat, actual cash. You can't use stable coins. So that means you need to have a Swiss bank account. Getting a Swiss bank account is not like opening a Chase account here in the US. It just doesn't work like that, right? Mm-hmm. So you have to capitalize it with actual fiat. Then second, you have to have ongoing compliance to sort of you know, prove to Switzerland that it is in fact a nonprofit foundation, right? And in that way, it's tax optimized, but it still has an administrative burden. Dissolving a foundation is supposed to be incredibly hard in Switzerland. Right. So if people want to like Google around and go, you know, Swiss Association, like EF or Swiss Association Crypto, there's a lot of articles that say, hey, the real actual best structure off in, in Switzerland isn't a Swiss foundation, but actually a Swiss association because they're easier to set up. You know, ongoing compliance is, is a little less stringent and you can dissolve them if, in fact, you needed to. Right. Um, again, I think the issue with the Swiss offshore model is the administrating and ongoing compliance. It's a pain in the ass. You know, you need to have someone on shore over there. You got to get your books done. There's there's a ton of just ongoing pain in the butt requirements, let's say. Um, for that reason, I'm, I'm a greater fan of the Cayman BVI model. And that's where you have a Cayman Foundation with a BVI subsidiary, right? Why do you have the two? Because... A lot of reasons, right? But the Cayman Foundation has VASP or Virtual Asset Service Provider, right? Virtual Asset Service Provider regime. So does BVI. So they both have VASP, but BVI has like VASP Lite. This is normal, rigorous VASP. Here is VASP Lite. They still have you know requirements and things you need to do. But what BVI allows also a, a public sale, where whereas Cayman does not allow that, right? So here, actually, I made a little, a little uh, dry. Oh <laughs> yeah. <That's> so, <laughs> so for everybody, right? So that again, not legal advice. Get a lawyer. Get a I'm lawyer. Not lawyer. No advice. Yeah. I can be if you want me to be. DM me on Twitter. <laughs> Where can they find you on Twitter? Um, Ryan Nixon. R Y O N N X O N. Got in early, man. I didn't have to buy it. Um, so look in this structure. This is a U.S. DevCo, right? So they do a safe and a Turkin warrant. They spin up their Cayman BVI. Um, the Cayman Foundation is really sort of the, the 
you know, the offshore piece that interacts with the DAO, they handle their, you know, the protocol proposals, et cetera. The BVI subsidiary, this is where the, the token is issued, distributed. You know, again, there's different variations on these, this. There's so much more that this kind of structure does, but if, if that's helpful. Now, um, what happens offshore, Cayman BVI, you raise onshore with your safe and token warrant. Now, when you exercise your token warrant, it's typically BVI that would fulfill it. So just to give people a visual, this is where, you know, this will go to investors, maybe sometimes the community. It really depends where a project is and, it, and you know, it's mm-hmm. in its launch, um, in its life cycle, right? I, I have seen projects where most of the time the treasury is with Cayman almost from the start outside of just this distribution of tokens. I've seen a, I've seen a split treasury. I've seen another uh, model over there where they have a, another sub, like another Cayman sub that they park, you know, like just to have things structured for liability purposes offshore. So it can get complicated, right? Um, but at a high level, BVI deals with the token, kicks back the, the remainder of the treasury. The Cayman Foundation deals with the DAO. Um, yeah, I think that's, that's sort of a, a simple explainer. Does that make sense? I, I feel like I just yeah. rambled. That makes sense. Different jurisdictions okay. for different purposes. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. The, the diagram helped a lot. <laughs> all right. Now with all that background and context about structuring, uh, raising, all that in order, uh, let's get into the heart of it, the meat of it. Let's get into the war stories. Uh, have you seen any structuring where like it's structuring gone wrong are there some disagreement between the investors and the projects and just like, just got a little dicey. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. Talk about structuring. Um, I, there's been a lot, I think in the media, uh, in crypto Twitter, on CoinDesk, Decrypt, whatever, um, around some of these interesting jurisdictions like the UAE. So we just did a, a UAE deal, um, it was like a an interesting equity deal, like first services company. Um, the The second part of it was this cert, this this equity deal came with a forex multiplier for their protocol, which was going to be like a Cayman structure, right? Uh, we said, "Cool, let's let's do a UAE deal." It was like a a simple equity purchase. Uh, you know, did all the docs, got it looking right. Spoke to one firm, and they were like, "This is great," you know. Pretty pretty similar to U.S. corporate work, I thought. Then um, spoke to another firm just to double check because again, we're we're not UAE lawyers and we need somebody to sort of bless the deal. Um, we talked to this other UAE firm, and it turns out for equity um, to be given in the UAE and to be enforceable by an investor, you actually have to get it like notarized and like stamped and put into this public registry, which is again very different than um, the U.S. Right. So um, was a was a very interesting sort of scenario where we had this deal, we got it closed, we thought it was done. Um, we spoke to two, you know, one UAE council was like, "Yeah, this is fine." Spoke to another, and they're like, "No, no, no, there's no way investors can ever enforce their right, and you know, they should have an enforcement right. This will be a problem, you know. Here, let's fix it up, and then let's also just build in this really cool forex multiplier for their other their subsequent protocol that they're going to build out, like." getting all that wrapped up, tied into a bow, you know, speaking to investors going, Hey, it's going to take a little bit longer, but we got it. Here's why. I mean, I, I, I don't know, man. So I guess what's the lesson learned in that is for projects that are trying to do something interesting and jump into some other jurisdiction and 
hey, I'm going to get spun up in Hong Kong or do this over here. Like, that's fine. But make sure you like do not use just some basic counsel you found online. Talk to a couple lawyers in that jurisdiction or like you could get in a lot of trouble because mm-hmm. had this one piece not been discovered, I mean, the client might have got sued. Uh, you know, maybe investors wouldn't have sued for their equity right, but the client would have gotten sued, you know, personally for, you know, maybe not doing this right. It was fine, but it was just this interesting, like, lessons learned, which I think is um, really just a part of being in this space where, you know, we, you have to try these things, right? Like in 2018, 17, we went towards Malta or Luxembourg, right? We, we looked at some of these jurisdictions and we realized it's not that easy to get a bank account over there. It's not that easy to do business. So founders should really just look at like, hey, can I actually execute, get a deal done, fundraise, do whatever I'm trying to do in one of these jurisdictions? How can investors enforce their rights? That's important. If you're going to ask for money from people, you know, you should consider the other side of that exchange um, and any weird, you know, uh, variances or nuances because of the jurisdiction. Uh, that was an interesting deal. We did another um, offshore deal where... Um, one of the founders, uh, which a very, uh, no, very well, good group, great group. They're doing great. Um, one of the founders had a bit of an issue with one of their investors and um, didn't want his investor to, to have, you know, a certain allocation. Spoke to the investor, basically pushed him around. Uh, a very like, you know, sophisticated investor too, and said, "Hey, look, I don't want you on my cap table. I want to buy you out." bought him out with his own money with like a premium, you know, took his allocation. And this, you know, this was an older project and it, and it had done like very well. Um, investor was not happy. You know, investor wants to send a little note and it's like, hey man, you signed he all signed this. It. And, he signed it. Yeah. See ya, brother. You know? Wow. <laughs> um, that was pretty interesting. Yeah, yeah. Um, we've seen some other sort of, I think, interesting retrades, let's call them, where... For example, we had a project that was being um, incubated by some VC. Um, the incubated VC, they, um, what was the issue? Oh, man. I forgot what it was. Okay, let's skip that one. Skip let's it. skip that one. <laughs> There's too many war and, stories. And actually, I think what's interesting for this cycle, um, something that, you know, is, is at least for uh people or participants that want to stay in the space and have like gotten some good value. Um, there's been some interesting sniping of like FTX claims, right? Mm. Where we went through a deal um, buying some of these uh, assets of the estate. And it's interesting. I mean, it's, you know, a lot of it's confidential, a lot of it's public, right? But, um, you know, there's some really good deals being made, um, you know, for people that want to stay in the space that are trying to snipe some of these claims and, and some have in fact been sniped for like some some really good prices. So, you know, um, hopefully out of SBF's ashes, you know, these VCs, some of them very new in the game, um, especially with these FTX deals, you know, will rise like a phoenix uh, as, you know, the next Evangelians or whatever you want to call Evangelius. How you say it? <laughs> For this next cycle. How do you say the word? I can't say it. I don't Evangelist. Know. Evangelist. 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 Uh, Evi- yes, there you go. Evangelist. Evangelist. Uh, <laughs> Evangelians. <Yes>. Evangelist. 
<laughs> even Gillian, like, a little even, out of it. even Gillian. How many yeah, times can we say that word? How many different ways can we say that word? <laughs> okay, and, and uh, Ryan, quick, quick uh, question regarding the structuring. It you showed basically there is a devco which is in the U.S. offers the token <laughs> warrant, and obviously the the safe accompanies with that. Then there is this BVI where it acts as like the, uh, I'm sorry, then there's the Cayman, which acts as like the off-chain DAO equivalent. And then there is a BVI that issues the token when it does come out, and that token goes into that Cayman uh, um, entity, right? Yeah, and, and into that's the treasury, into give it up to investors, yep. maybe the, the founding team. Again, there's lots of variations, but yeah, right, right. That, that's right. So, yeah, go ahead. And then I, because when I saw that in my mind, I was like, God forbid a project fails. Like what happens in that situation when a project fails and they have to unwind all of that? Okay. <laughs> well, so first um, on, on the, the, the Cayman Foundation piece, really what what happens to the Cayman Foundation is some of these assets are housed there. It has its own like independent director, which again, something else for projects to to know. Um, if you do an offshore structuring uh, sort of deal or you know procedure or whatever, that's that's your structure for your raise. Um, if if that's what you're using, you're you you should use an independent director. You should use a professional director. We have seen projects. If if you want another war story. We have seen projects where um, we have this whole offshore structure and they put their um, friend, right, who is a U.S. person as a director oh. or they put, yeah, or they put, you know, some other, you know, non, like the director is supposed to be like the independent adult in the room, right? And, you know, they charge a decent fee, but they're not doing that. Like, you know, they're, they're, they're taking on massive risks. They're taking on massive liability on making sure anything they stamp like is in, in fact like legit correct so you know it is important to use a uh, independent director so those are those two points with that um to get to your question now uh kit so yeah sam to get to your question um to uh dissolve to to really wind up everything obviously on the the u.s side is, is not that hard you got to make sure you have no like creditors or, or people you owe money or anything to usually creditors not like equity holders but if you're out of money you just file a simple dissolution with the state of delaware or wherever it is you know some other filings it's it's a it's a very um it's it's more administrative it's, it's not a big deal cayman bvi can be a little more involved um you know it, it depends um how long the company's been around what it's done um, there's some some tricky nuances to it. Uh, I I will say it, it. What's interesting is, and and I don't know if I mentioned this on the Swiss side, it's it's a lot harder to sort of wind down um, these structures, right? Mm. Um, at least the Swiss Foundation. Now, um, what happens when they wind down? It, it really like depends, right? We worked a bit with Rari at the end. Um, when they were winding mm. down and a lot of their assets were handled through governance, which again, I think for all of these projects, um, let, let's still keep, you know, you should still do all your stuff on chain. You should still do it in your community just because you have a Cayman foundation um, to your earlier point, Kit, you know, the DAO is still out here. 
you know, it it relates a little bit. It's associated with the foundation for like giving out grants and, you know, signing other documents, but you still want to keep all your stuff on chain. You know, you still want to keep it decentralized or work towards it or wherever it is. Right. Um, but so again, going back to, to dissolution or dissolving a protocol, I mean, it can be pretty challenging, but, you know, putting all your assets through, through governance, see how it's going to get distributed. You know, maybe it's like, a buyback and, and burn based on, you know, you burn as many mm-hmm. tokens that were in your wallet, you get some sort of USDC back. Um, I, I think what's interesting though, with that question is outside of a protocol that's been hacked a bunch of times or as, you know, just like blown up in, in one way or another, it, it's, it's really hard to like, to force it sometimes, especially if the charter doesn't contemplate taking direct action pursuant to whatever the DAO says. So if you want another tip, you know, DAOs should be clear that whatever structure they set up, Swiss, Singapore, Cayman BVI, you know, some some newfangled jurisdiction, whatever that entity is that's supposed to be like supporting the DAO, make sure it is supporting the DAO and the DAO has control over it, right? Um, there was something in the news about, uh, I think it was like uh, Aragon DAO. Aragon and, DAO, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and how like, you know, the token holders passed one proposal, but um, you know, the foundation blamed the lawyers and it was like, oh, we can't do a buyback because then it makes, you know, the token, it makes a uh, financial instrument and that like cuts at utility. Like there's a lot of, you know, and again, I don't know the facts, not a Swiss lawyer. I barely looked at something that I, I, you know, reviewed the articles and they came out, but it's a cute thing, right? When the foundation is like, oh yeah, like lawyers, yeah, this will cut at utilities. So sorry, guys, you're not happy with us. We're just going to hold on to this fat treasury while we figure out what to do. You know what I mean? Like, that's not the way this is supposed to be played. Mm-hmm. That's not the purpose of these structures. These structures should support the DAO. They should support on-chain activity, right? By where you have to do things here in the meat space, right? You can sign mm-hmm. an agreement. You can get a deal done. Investors are comfortable. Other service providers that aren't just deep crypto are comfortable you know, so I think for those reasons, you know, having some sort of structure is important after liability purposes, right? I think mm-hmm. that's one of the big, you know, knockdown effects of OPDAO and and all of that, right? Is is if you don't have some structure in which to relate or associate or to whatever wrap your DAO, probably associate is the best word, um, you could be found liable yourself. Unfortunately, that's the way it is. Now, what do projects do? They should they should have a proper foundation. They should have some structure standing in front of them for these activities, right? Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean every token holder needs to have a foundation or needs to be 55,000 foundations with you know directors on all of them. Protocol should have one, right? Protocol can also say, hey, look, you know, we're going to park this much aside in fees or, or for a treasury for like a legal defense fund. Right? I think, I don't know if I spoke about this on the last podcast, but like that's something else they can consider. There's, there's a lot of interesting... Um, things and options and and strategy that these projects can build in when designing this, right? And mm-hmm. um, again, I just think you just think about it a bit and you know, talk to a lawyer. Yeah, in terms of one of the earliest DAOs, uh, you know, we've seen SNX have a multi-DAO structure. You know, you, you've seen a maker DAO go from DAO to foundation, now back to DAO. Um, what do you think of you know what they're doing? Yeah, I mean. Oh, but you know SNX quite well, I imagine. Yeah, yeah, no, no, uh, know them very well. I think I think it has been interesting um, 
because of Okidao, because of some of this like regulatory just FUD, um, you know, I do I do think projects should have some sort of foundation or some sort of structure. I, I think some of them are might be looking at, you know, maybe having a foundation for parts of it, right? For the treasury, for one of their DAOs. I think projects can go um I think absent like a very healthy treasury, a lot of activity, um, projects don't need, you know, one Cayman Foundation for this, another Cayman Foundation for this, a suite of BVI subs. You know, there's there's always for projects that are trying to get too strategic, there are, are always a lawyer for that. Means, there's always a lawyer. Some of them always, always take those fees. Some oh, will take yeah, that fees. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. They'll say, oh, you want to have, you know, this, this, and this. You want full liability protection? Let's park every activity in its own vehicle. Sure. Sure. If you have a billion dollars in there just for structuring, then let's talk about it, right? But you don't have to do all that. Um, so, you know, I do think that is something... Uh, I, I, we have seen with some projects, again, if it's a healthy DAO, you know, they have some sort of like, I don't know, liquidity arm or, you know, they have like some of their own personal market making things or they want to do like, you know, uh, ecosystem fund. Yes, maybe pop that out in its own foundation or have that in a separate structure managed by other people. You know, you got to talk to a lawyer. It's a lot more than that. But, um, you know, I you don't have to overthink some of these stuff, right? Like you got enough, you have enough really cool stuff to build than to spend yeah. 35% of your mind share on, you, you know, interesting offshore structuring. Yeah. I feel like it's the lawyer's job, you know, let the builders build and yeah. if you get good lawyers, let them do all that work and worry about all that. Yeah. Get your structuring done, get it done yeah. quick, get it you off the ground and, you know, go back to work. You should not stand in the way. That's the name of the game. So. Got it. And Ryan, I got a question regarding litigation because like, you know, I, I don't really hear much litigation between, you know, projects and their investors or project to project litigation just because, well, you know, this is crypto and a lot of things just kind of settle on chain. Like, do you have any litigation war stories or things kind of behind the scenes that we probably didn't hear of and the headlines never caught? Hmm, litigation stories. Hmm. I think it's 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 been interesting. We I've seen a lot of some some projects or disputes that that are potentially going forward with litigation. So I probably shouldn't comment on at all. Um, I have seen a few interesting scenarios where, say, um, again, a project. This would be a different project, but wasn't happy with um, some of their investors. Wasn't happy with some of the, you know, actions of, of core team members uh, just sort of rage quit and some of the the craziness around that, you know, let's say if like a key person were to leave, um, it can be really tricky with respect to, you know, what that person knows, you know, they came up with some interesting bonding curve or whatever it is, um, how that can be sort of handled, especially when, um, say like the, and this one scenario founder was like, not in a comfortable situation, wanted to get out, but sort of had some of the secret sauce. And, um, you know, the, the company was like, we're not cool with that. We're going to get you, um, having to negotiate that, like, Hey, look, this guy is leaving. It'll never get built better off, you know, working with some other person, you know, bringing in some other, like 
tech person that can that can build this thing and you know let my guy do his own thing um do all that well you know all of these regulatory actions are coming out there's all this crazy fun get that person out get him you know properly like set up i mean it, it was it, it was just it was just crazy um what's another one we've been looking at a couple of claims with respect to uh, i don't know if i can say the name I don't know. Don't guys. say the name. Don't say the name. There's, the there's, name. there's, there's, yeah. But if I describe, if I describe the facts, they'll know exactly who they are. Um, okay, got it. Got what's it. another so, one? So it sounds like litigation is 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 uh, all around uh, happening it's in full under the spring. scene. Like like I. I mean, maybe crypto winter, but it's litigation spring. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the only litigation yeah. we hear is with the SEC coming in hot, right? But aside from that, we don't really hear yeah. much PVP litigation. Um, I mean, yeah, yeah. You don't really hear much about it, but you know, speaking of like recent things we've seen, like pop up in Discord chats. Uh, you know, we saw something like pop up in the Barnbridge Discord about like you know the oh, yeah, SEC. The we saw that. something about like a class action lawsuit. With in the Fay Discord, which looked like mighty interesting. Actually, two different things. You have the class action, and you have the SEC. Um, what are your What's your take on you know those two different situations going on, both Barnbridge yeah, and Fay? Yeah, I don't. I, I thought it was interesting. I, I think the class action piece was like like plaintiffs' lawyers dropping NFTs. Um, sort of, yeah, like NFTs that say, "Hey, you know, you can be a part of this class action. Sign up here. Click." For the website, right? This is the so, real Web three social right here, everyone. Well, what I think is interesting is like, oh, it's like crypto. Again, if you guys, you know, something that we could feel like cool, I guess, in the space as we've like matured to this level, where crypto has created its own sort of, you know, sketchy, scammy, uh, ambulance chasing, you know, <laughs> fake crypto lawyers, right? Hey, join up for this class action. Class actions. I don't know if you guys know, but. It, but it's known in the legal community, class actions are one of the last bastions of like big upside for plaintiff's lawyers. Sorry, not for you guys, for me, for, or, you know, for lawyers, I'm not a class action lawyer, but you know, like it's, it's not like this major benefit to the community. It's just some lawyers that are going to churn tons and tons of fees and hopefully get that approved by the court. And, you know, the class will get, you know, five bucks, five USDC per, you know, 10,000 Fay or whatever it is. I have no clue, right? <laughs> Um, so that's what I think the interesting takeaway on that one, um, on the sec side, you know, I saw that, I saw that tweet by the, the Barnbridge lawyer and, and, and I will say, um, I do have some direct experience dealing with sec inquiries, um, subpoenas and the like, right. Uh, I don't know. I didn't know the facts of Barnbridge. I don't know why, um, their lawyer did that. I will say, I, I do think it was a bit, um, Maybe that weak is the word, but it was very conservative. I don't know. Maybe the the, the lawyer had um, been given that direction by the founder. But to be clear, and just to address FUD, the SEC cannot say, hey, Dave, you know, we're looking at you. Shut it all down, buddy. You're <laughs> over, right? They can't do that. They cannot do that, right? They can say, hey, Dave, you know, we, we want to know what you're doing. And then they give you an info request, right? Um, if, if they, if you were forced to shut down your stuff, they would have to have a court order, right? Mm. Even, even when they think it's a fraudulent or criminal enterprise, 
they show that to a judge, you know, maybe before talking to you. And then, but then that wouldn't even be the SEC, that'd be the DOJ because the SEC is not a criminal um, agency, right? They don't have um, oh. that authority that they cannot do that they're civil, right? So, but to, let, let, let's let's use this as just like a good place to like look at the, the, what these things are, right? So it seems to me, and again, I could be wrong, but what Barnbridge, um, their lawyer was saying is they caught maybe an info request, right? And an information request is where the SEC goes, hey guys, you know, we're interested in what you're doing. Turn over all docs related to your token, related to investor communications, related to, you know, the utility of a token, et cetera, right? What that is voluntary, um, you're not compelled to respond. The, the, the hook to that though, is if you don't respond, they'll probably get a subpoena, right? Mm. And subpoena is sort of the next level where they say, hey, we're letting you know, we're, we're looking at you, you know, here's a Wells notice, here's a subpoena, turn this stuff over, um, you know, um, you have to, right? Or there will be some sort of penalty and then they could even like increase it to something criminal, you know, and get you in trouble, get GOJ and then get you in trouble, right? Mm -hmm. The third level is an actual enforcement action. And that's where the SEC, you know, group, um, whoever's leading this enforcement group that based on all the materials um, that you've turned over, um, either pursuant to an info request or a subpoena or both, uh, they, they make a recommendation and the SEC the commissioners say, yes, we're going to, let's do an enforcement action. You know, no, let's not do an enforcement action. And here is where um, really I do think Gensler has power because, you know, he isn't a solemn dictator, but um, he, they, they likely give him strong deference, even if, you know, there is some disagreement with, say, Esther Pierce or whatever, right? Um, now, at all these levels, at the info request level, um, again, get a lawyer. You don't turn or lawyer docs. If a project is contacted by the SEC, like just get a lawyer and and projects should also know like there are ways to handle, you know, dealing with a, a regular inquiry that isn't going to kill them. And if Barnbridge was a regular inquiry w without more, without more facts. And again, like, please, like cut whoever that attorney is some slack. There's a lot of things that he probably knows that he isn't able to say publicly. Right. Um, but get an attorney. You don't turn over every single doc. Your attorney should look at those and go, no, no, no. These are relevant to the inquiry. These are these are privileged because you have an attorney. Another good reason to have an attorney, especially right now, right? But the idea that I've seen this on crypto Twitter that um, the SEC is going after a lot of smaller projects. I think that's a little bit of misinformation. Meaning, yes, see, again, could just send you an inquiry, right? And it could be a short one. It could be a long one. It could be something in between. Sure, they're they're looking at you, but it's it's not the end of the world. It doesn't mean everything's going to blow up. It could, again, you know, project specific, but um, that isn't like the end of it, right? It's usually just they're just looking at you. We've done so. Look at, at the firm. It's done maybe nine now, like inquiries oh. dealt with, like or like SEC actions. It's just let's a say, part of this, like, these inquiries. It is. And I mean, like, look, over over six years, I don't think it's is is that bad either, right? Mm -hmm. Like we've worked with a lot of projects. But in them, um, you know, you turn over some stuff, you you're you're friendly, you know, you you're professional, you're dealing with other lawyers, but like again, you're still an advocate for your client. Um, most of the time what happens is they don't say like the SEC will never say, Okay, cool, you turn over everything. Thanks, you guys are good. Good luck to you, right? Instead, what they'll do is after the inquiry, if it's satisfied, they just sort of ghost you, 
you know, and you're like, you know, oh. you need anything else? And they just don't respond, right? Because they want to leave the door open for later. Mm. Um, again, we've dealt with these projects that like after this or before this or whatever, um, they they have been fine. They have gone on to do great things. So mm-hmm. again, I, I, I think we have to try to combat this fight. And sure, I'm not going to lie. I do think it's a little crazier in this space right now than, than it has been prior. But I mean, it's not always going to be that way. And, you know, it, again, yeah. it's just these are, these are the challenges of this cycle. So okay. and, and just we're to recap, Dave, uh, yeah, real, go ahead. real quick, uh, it was, it was a, a really, uh, you know, big, big section. So I just wanted to make sure I condense it for all the folks listening is that when the SEC comes at you, they come in effectively three phases. And the first one is just an informal investigation where they basically drop a letter saying like, hey, we're looking at you. We want to see some stuff. Here's some of our light inquiries. And they can range, right, the range of these inquiries. Then once yep. they see through that and whether you respond yeah. or don't respond, number two, they can, number two oh, no. they can escalate it to a formal investigation. This is when they send in like a subpoena and more scary legal words come at you. All right. Now, here's when you ha- kind of right. have to take it super duper seriously. Because the next yeah. action after this is called an Number enforcement three. action. And that's when right. this is like, you know, they're, they're sending in the Valkyries and just kind of they're coming after you in, in a real way. Right. Like, yeah. Those are the three and, uh, phases. And then when you fight FUD, it's yeah. four. It's four <laughs> when you fight the FUD. <laughs> when you overcome, it's four. When you overcome, yes. yeah. Yeah. When you overcome, you overcome right, 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 it's four. Right, 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 right. That's but the yeah, final just, page. Just as like, as, as uh, probably... Uh, a good exemplar for for you know some of your your viewers um do you remember i I forgot the actual date but the but coinbase was like hey look we've been nothing but cooperating with the sec look Mm -hmm. we got hit with this wells notice these guys are going to bring enforcement action that was like step two step one was really what they alluded to was they've been cooperating with them right Mm -hmm. because with with some of these inquiries we did do one where we had to turn over some docs um, they invited us in to like, you know, speak in, in their branch, right? Not DC in their like local SEC branch, do a presentation, right? And then that they gave us like some things that they thought were an issue. No fine. Okay, not a problem, right? But it can range. It can range from a million different permutations. They could have a, a very long document request, in which case, again, please, and this is in the first stage, right? Um, please have a lawyer look at that because maybe some of it isn't relevant. Who knows? Maybe it is, and you really should respond because they suspect you a fraud. Because you don't want some sort of like informal investigation again because you didn't want to respond, or you're like, "Oh, this is voluntary." Then they turn around and now they're upset, right? And then they subpoena you. Um, I wouldn't do that, but I do think the idea that you know because the SEC is is looking into projects, you know, they're blowing up smaller uh, protocols. I don't think that's fair at all, right? I think. You know, it is what it is. And, you know, if the regulator can ask you for stuff, but have proper counsel, they, they can cut the fat. They can, you know, help, mm-hmm. like, get through this process. And, you know, really thought shouldn't be doing this on their own in this situation, you know, specifically. Yeah. No. Um, that actually leads very well to my next question. You know, over the past few months, we've seen the SEC go- come after Coinbase really aggressively. We see them go after Binance. Um, what is your take on, you know, the case, especially with Coinbase, because Coinbase seems to be the one that's like, all right, like, we're going to take the fight to you. Like, we're going to actually, like, you know, sue the SEC. Like, we all we want is clarity. All we want is, you know, answers and a definition. And we've been asking for this for 
you know, for almost a decade at this point. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think with respect to the, these two cases, they definitely picked uh, a fight with probably two of the most well-capitalized uh, participants in the space. Uh, I really, really hope it doesn't turn into this sort of, you know, ripple part two and three uh, kind of feel for Binance because they're dealing with both the SEC and the CFTC, mm. right? Um, you know, we'll, we'll see how that goes. But I, I do think uh, the SEC picking the fight with Coinbase, it, if anything, there, there will be, you know, through some bloodshed, right? Um, some sort of nuggets of clarity, some things that like go in our favor. And I mean, frankly, a new administration could change a lot of things as well. Mm -hmm. So, mm. you know, it's, I think, really hard to tell where it'll go. Um, I do think it's interesting, probably one of the most expensive like responses to the SEC action like Coinbase put together. Um, you know, I don't know. Again, I'm not, I'm not these, um, these top top mm -hmm. tier you know litigators, but I, I felt like they they could have threw some some more you know some more aggressive arguments and some Ooh. interesting mm -hmm. more new novel arguments in there. I, look, and I, I I hear on my armchair that's very easy for me to say versus <laughs> in there in the arena in this situation. So again, I always want to give counsel like proper respect, yeah. but um, we'll see how it goes. We'll yeah. see how it goes. Yeah. It's not going to be, I think, a slam dunk for the SEC by any uh, stretch of the imagination. No, and do you feel like the, you know, the way the SEC has, you know, been acting, like, do you feel like the SEC is losing momentum or do you feel like they're like as stronger than ever? I do think, I mean, look, they, they increased their budget. Mm -hmm. They hired a bunch of other um, enforcement lawyers. So, I mean, that's sort of, again, the name of the game, right? Mm -hmm. Um do I think this is going to be like big trouble for crypto? No, I don't think so at all. And I, I, I do think really we will be here until like this becomes a big enough issue, right? That the U S will deal with it or like, you know, eventually everybody will be over overseas. Yeah. And if the U S wants to, you know, play that, like take that route. I mean, that'll suck. That'll suck for us that are here in the U S that are committed to the space for life. Like, you know, but I don't think it's going to go that way. I think what we'll see is we see a lot of heat right now or like, you know, like let's say the last month, it's calming down a little bit. I think there's going to be a lot of focus. The SEC's focus on these two actions. Um, I do think that it, look, it, it, it cost the SEC an email, you know, they give you a piece of paper like that. It's, you know, it's a template. So they change three things. They put Dave, they, you know, they have tons of precedent where they could just go ask any and all communications related to your token, investor communication, blah, blah, blah. You know, it, it's it's not hard for, mm -hmm. for them to take two SEC people, right? One senior enforcement attorney and then their junior, mm -hmm. right? Uh, attorney and say, hey, Dave, give me all this stuff, right? That's one thing. Bringing an enforcement action has a team, like, you know, it costs money. All those lawyers, like, they need to be focused to, like, win this. Again, the SEC is not going to be bringing enforcement actions either where it's like, oh, this is going to be hard, right? Like, we got to fight with these guys. Uh, Coinbase and Binance, they're, they're taking other things, like other sort of claims versus, like, a project, right? Mm -hmm. But, you know, setting that aside, bringing, multi, like, many enforcement actions, even if they hired, you know, a ton of lawyers, like, it just... In the public perception of of the regulator would, would be even worse, right? It's like, you know, we don't want to completely fucking push crypto out. Why why would they do that? 
you, you know what I mean? I just don't think, I think once you get into the details and you look at, hey, it doesn't take a lot to like ask for an inquiry, but to bring an action does take a lot of resource. How many of these can they sustain? You know, I don't think it's going to be like a, a, a million of them, right? It just, it just doesn't make sense. It doesn't make like, you know, basic fis- fiscal sense for the agency to do mm-hmm. it. And again, they have to be careful about who they bring actions against because if they get bad precedent, that can mess up everything. And, you know, yeah, for the Mm -hmm. SEC. And I I have heard some of these like CLEs, like these continuing legal education, are like, you know, securities law updates. And I mean, lawyers talk about this. They go, hey, the SEC is very careful about who they bring enforcement actions against uh, because bad precedent could mess up the whole, you know, the whole agency. So... You know, similarly here, again, it's not like, you know, um, the only reason why we see some of these enforcement actions for other protocols that were, um, you know, from 2018 to 2019, they just, you know, they brought some older, against some older projects. They've been putting together a case against them for a while. Now, is that going to continue for this next cycle? We'll see. But um, I do think like it's it's high time for, for just everybody that's just sort of come together and like say, hey, this is the way to do things. Mm-hmm. You know, it's getting closer and closer to that point. Yeah. Maybe that's just opium. As, absolutely. And uh, yeah. you know, speaking of getting everyone together, I want to take the battle out of the courtroom and into the arena of public opinion. Um, what do you think crypto can do to uh, better get just the general public on their side? Because, you know, right now the media, especially in the States, they like to portray crypto as like, oh, this like arena, this like, you know, it's very foreign, esoteric, it's like this casino, blah, blah, blah. Like what can crypto do to do a better job uh, in this arena of public opinion, especially here in the States? Yeah, Um, advocate for and be models for better transparency, Mm -hmm. right? You know, put put the stuff that not only like you want everybody to see, but maybe be thoughtful about the things that everyone should see, Mm -hmm. you know, right? Investor stuff team stuff. I think that's important. I think transparency ports are, are important. Um, we've seen some projects um, do these like learning modules, right? Here's how you can use a protocol. Here's what you do with it. Here's what the token's for. Here's how to like use it within the protocol. Sure, it takes a little more in development work, but if you, if a project is trying to like keep themselves, again, you, you know, you're doing some fraudulent or some other, there's a million reasons why a regulator would want to look at you. But just everything being the same, something projects can do to like put them less at, at a mm-hmm. you know a threat of enforcement level is transparency. Like have anybody like any user understand what your project does, understand the risks, and even generally in, at, a, at a greater level understand the risks of crypto and using crypto and mm-hmm. getting hacked or you know like agreeing to some stupid permission and getting some like poison injection attack to your MetaMask like. You know, mm-hmm. I, you don't have to do all these things, but if projects just go, hey, look, here's how you use our stuff. Here's some of the, the risks of crypto. And all this is, you know, online. You can, mm-hmm. you know, rewrite it a million different ways. Use chat GBT and, you know, put it out there. But like, you know, projects should focus on, hey, someone first coming on this platform. What does the protocol do? What does the token do? What's the DAO look like? What's like, you know, again, shout out to Sam. All praises be. I've I'll been the <laughs> Here's a PL. Here's how the team has done. Here's what we've done over the last three months. Here's what we built out. Here's what hasn't gone well. Here's what's been challenging, right? Like mm-hmm. 
here's what's troubling. Again, you don't need projects don't need to go, oh man, there's all this crazy stuff, like freak out. No, no, no. But you know, it's 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 the like an adult way of showing what's going on under the hood. You know, mm-hmm. it's saying like here, here's the good stuff, but also, you know, like everything else, here's some stuff that's been challenging. And mm-hmm. it, it is an art on how to display and, and talk about that. So again, I mean, I would I would consult with somebody, um, but that's what I would say. It's all about transparency, education. And I want to add one more thing in there. Uh, sure. I think if you show how you know, crypto is giving people jobs and employment and opportunities, that would go a really long way. You know, I know the traders get a bunch of attention. I know that's the sexy thing to put a spotlight on, especially in a bull market. But if we're able to show like, hey, like, X amount of people are being employed in Web3 in this capacity. And in this past cycle, we had like the first, you know, real come up of DAOs and, you know, some experiments went well, a lot of them didn't. But like now you have all these different people in crypto and in this Web3 economy, if we can show like, hey, this next cycle, like it's actually supporting jobs, you know, people are actually making a living through these DAOs and other Web3 organizations. I think that could go a real long way in normalizing crypto. Sure. Yeah, that's that's a great point, Dave. And I mean, you know, to what you just said, um, you know, allowing, you know, crypto participants to travel where they want. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, crypto is very international, right? We all know that. It's awesome. It's awesome. You meet some of the most interesting people, like doing the coolest things that like would do it for free, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a ton of them, right? And and sure, we, we could do well. We, we want success. We want economic, financial success, whatever, for sure. But like, you know, crypto, like, and it has done so much for me, right? I'm sure it's done so much for you too. I mean, I would, I would love for the second level of like adopting crypto to just get out of this. Yeah. You know, let's just try to destroy it and be like, look what it does. You know, I think what DeFi could do, right, for younger people and their financial education. You know, oh, yeah. I was a numbers guy in high school and college. Like, I really, you know, I was like a math guy. I'm always into math. I know I'm a lawyer, but I, I like I like numbers more than words, really. And um, you know, like I learned so much. Even being a numbers person, you know, I did some finance stuff like an undergrad. You know, I'm 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 not like some G, you know, but like I knew how to do things. I knew what options are, whatever, etc. But it wasn't until I got really deep into DeFi that like it almost like expanded, you know, the way I looked at things. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's such a real value. And like instead of trying to smash crypto, if like we had programs where mm-hmm. it's like, here, let's let's, you know, teach people how to use DeFi. Here's how it is a benefit. There are, you know, better than giving it to a bank. Put it over here. Have your own control. Like mm-hmm. you guys know this, right? Like Absolutely. Um, I think, you know, the, the day will come for that, but yeah. maybe it's not now. I think it's just all about diplomacy, like taking everything you said there, like all that's possible with DeFi and with Web3 and showing, instead of just, you know, I know like in crypto, we like to all go to like these conferences and stuff all over the world. And we like to, like to hear like, oh, what's coming up next. But if we can build bridges, you know, outside of crypto, like let's say instead of like, you know, let's say instead of going to like this crypto conference, we go to like some Fed conference or some, you know, TradFi picking conference or, you know, something that's like a little bit outside of the orbit, but, you know, kind of has to do, with, especially with DeFi um, and show like people in arenas outside of crypto, like, hey, this is what we're up to and showing the innovation, showing what's possible to them. That could also go a long way as well. Yeah. 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 I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot there, guys. You know, there's a lot the space can do. Yeah. And that's and what look, we're we'll dedicated get, we'll to. Yeah. Yeah. It'll get there. It'll get, It'll get there. 
Yeah. Yeah, we're not going anywhere. You ain't going anywhere. I ain't going anywhere. <laughs> Chapo K, you going anywhere, brother? <laughs> no, we'll be right no. here every week like we've been doing for over a year. You know, we have not missed a single podcast and since we started in June of 2022. We've been going See. strong no matter where we are in the world. So I love that, man. Yeah. I mean, shout out to you too, really. Like, yeah. you, you know, and, and it's, it's, you know, gentlemen, gentlewomen like yourselves, like me that like are here, it's going to be hard. We'll have to change how we do things. We'll have to change how stuff gets done. But like, you know, we're, we're lifers. And I yeah. think that mm-hmm. there's, there's more in this space than, than any other. And yeah, um, yeah man, that, that gives yeah. me hope every day. Married to the game. Yeah, I, know, I can't do really anything else. Like all my job skills are just like dedicated to this one niche. Just, just, just You're stuck, brother. Yeah, I'm just yeah. stuck. I'm stuck in, in Frax land. <laughs> find me on Frax chain. I'll be like yeah. stuck in a tent on the side, <laughs> the side of the mempool. Front <laughs> running, brother. <laughs> we just, we just put Frax in the cycle. <laughs> no man of oh, days. Yeah. Oh, in, like, in our like producer chat, well, Phil just said like, yeah, you'll be a frax book on the side. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I'll be with my little cloak, you know, seeing yeah, all the transactions go by. <laughs> well, yeah, I don't know, guys. Yeah, um, I think that's a, this is a good place to end it. Kid, I'm not sure if you had any other questions. No, not. I'm. I'm good. I'm. I'm all legaled out. <laughs> I am good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really like the arc of this whole pod. Honestly, it went from like going deep in the weeds about raising all the different you know ways you can raise, save, SAF, DAF, Robert Kraft, this and that, and then we went into like structuring this foundation, that DAO, this entity, this jurisdiction, that, and then you know we got you know, and then we got like we went into all the cases. And everything that's going on in legal lease land, and then we just got like, okay, like, why are we here? Yeah, how the SEC <laughs> works. Like, oh, that's true. It wasn't yeah. nice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, here, I, I hope yeah. some of that stuff is valuable, guys. Oh, I, I think you it's know. incredibly valuable. I think, like, okay. as Kit would say, like, we will say this at the beginning, like, get out your pen and paper and take notes to this one for sure. Oh, no, yeah. Well, thanks, guys. Yeah. And sorry, man. I, it, you know, I. I think like we trying to find like the where you guys were going to go on things, so I I, I didn't have much time to come up with some stories. Uh, this bits, is you know. perfect. No, no, no. This okay. is like exactly what we needed. Uh, so I think we should just go into the lightning round. We have some new lightning yeah. round questions for you. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, really? I mean, okay. Yeah, it's, it's just been. I, I was gonna say we will probably just wait another six months, and you probably rack up another good war stories and come back on and just yeah. tell us, <laughs> you know, how, yeah. how did the yeah. whole FTX oh, thing totally. come about? Totally. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. I'm uh, happy to. All right. So the, the the first lightning round question for me is um, if you can go back in time or go uh, um, forward in time, who would you want to have dinner with? Dead or alive? I mean, honestly, if I could go forward in time from just trying to <laughs> game the question, I would go way forward in time and have dinner with like some AGI you know, demigod and ask them, you know, how oh. to prevent earthlings obscure humans extinction or like, you know, you know, what's, you what should with, I focus on? You, you, you know, you, to get you, me to the next level. You would have dinner with Roko and Roku would say like, yo, just help me out, bro. 
<laughs> just touch me with your, yeah. you know, yeah. demigod touch. Uh, he, he would say like, like go super work, saying. He would say like, go work for Worldcoin pro bono. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, guys. I'm not cool with anybody like standing by, you know, my eyeball and I don't, I don't know, man. Yeah. I, I respect to Worldcoin. I'm not, I'm not doing yeah. that shit. Man. <laughs> It's all jokes here. All jokes. Uh, <laughs> all jokes. All jokes. I, um, I want to ask the uh, reverse of that. Like, any out of anybody in the past or currently dead or, or alive, who would you have a beer with? Who would you want to have a sit down? Oh man, have a nice cold in crypto. Beer? No, it could be anybody. Anybody. Man, guys, like I'm, you know, I'm a New Yorker by heart. I don't know. I grew up on the East Coast hip hop. I think Jay Z would be like. Super cool, man. But uh, you know, yes. that probably will never happen. I mean, that's. I mean, never you, say you want never. To model after some, yeah, that's true. He's still alive. You want to model yourself after somebody like that guy did it right. That guy made his way in music when it wasn't supposed to be the way he wanted it, mm-hmm. and he did things on his terms. I've really tried to design some of my entrepreneurship, you know, mm-hmm. in 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 his in that same manner, you know. And I don't know, it's cool. Whoa. So. He's not a businessman. He's a business man. Businessman. Exactly. <laughs> I love Come how you with Do some fracks <laughs> NFTs, bro. Oh, actually, yeah. Um, that, would be, that would be pretty sick. Um, I have one more. Um, who would you recommend as our next guest here at Flywheel? Oh, next guest. Mm-hmm. I would do Groom Lake. That's what I would do. Who? Groom Lake. Groom Lake. Yeah. Groom Lake, there are these like, um, you know, they p- provide like uh, protocol, like prevention service. Like someone's going to hack your your chain. Mm-hmm. They're going to mess with you guys or they mess with like your bags. Like you get SIM swap. Somebody like does, you know, jack you for, you know, a shit ton of, of crypto. Mm-hmm. These are the guys. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if they do it. I'm, I, I think they probably would. But um, I, I would totally, I mean, I can speak to them and, and get them on here easy. But I mean, with with all the scams oh, and yeah. theft and crazy stuff going around, I mean, I think they're a well like needed, necessary entity in the space. And I mean, they already are working hmm. for like some good protocols and projects and some high net worth individuals. I think they'd have a really interesting perspective. Um, hmm. uh, yeah, I think that'd be cool. Yeah, definitely got to dive into them more. Yeah, Especially yeah. Let me know the, yeah. the layer zero protection, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know. They they'll they'll find your guys like if you if you if you really need them to they will find that person or that team that wow. got you yeah and right. if and if you like them too they will protect your protocol like yeah just get get them on here talk to them yeah, talk about so war stories kid yeah. Yeah. yeah oh I know but they're you know like they're like ex NSA so I mean they might be even tighter but mm. I, but they're cool they're cool and they're interesting yeah. um yeah if you want them on let me know I'm, I'm happy yeah. to make that happen yeah we will. Um, yeah. And we can't wait for you to come on it again. This has been a great episode, Ryan. Oh, Thank you for coming on. Again, nothing here is legal advice. If you want a lawyer, Ryan is your guy. Uh, thank you for coming on. Yeah. And I'm right. uh, excited to see you next time. Cool. Thank you, brother. Thank you, guys. Thanks for having me on. All right. Thanks. Talk soon. See ya. Welcome to the post game, everybody. I'm your host, DeFi Dave, here with Capital K. We are capping off a phenomenal interview with Ryan Nixon. Nothing said there is legal advice, but man, did we find a lot of that stuff useful. Uh, we went super deep uh, into everything from raising, structuring, cases, and, you know, uh, there's so much we got into, and we got deep in the weeds. Uh, Kit, what are your, you know, 
final thoughts on this one? I, I felt like, you know, not to pat ourselves on the back, but I'm going to pat ourselves on the back that we kind of segmented the this pod really well for the listeners mm-hmm. to be able to tune into like just the instruments of raising capital part or if they're interested in just how the SEC works, there's a section for that too. And mm-hmm. we're able to kind of give people a lot of that almost behind the scenes. And it's like the, if you know, you know, because mm-hmm. you wouldn't really know how the SEC works unless you receive one of those letters. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and we've talked about that, uh, you know, how to segment podcasts and be like, hey, this we should make this section about that and that and that. You know, we literally just filmed a podcast yesterday. Uh, and, you know, I think we've done, you know, a really good job in that regard in this one. Like a little bit for everything for everyone. If you want to like fast forward to this or rewind to that, um, we did a really good job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Dave, what's, what was your like key takeaway from this pod? Um, my key takeaway is how the game has changed. Um, I, you know, I remember back last cycle, the SAFT was the standard. Uh, yep. And now it's more about like the save with the token warrant. And it's like interesting to see how, you know, legal advice evolves based on situations changing and it just shows what a dynamic we're environment, uh, how dynamic of an environment we're in, especially in something as frontier and as cutting edge as crypto. Cause there's always stuff changing, you know, always gotta be on your toes and, you know, ready to make adjustments when you need to. Yeah. What about you? Agreed. Agreed. Um, I, I think it's also about, um, the evolution of the structure to me. Mm-hmm. Remember back in 2017 yeah. is always like, Oh, Swiss foundation or like, you know, foundation yeah. in, in, in some, you know, European country. And if you were to go anywhere else, it's, it's, it's kind of like uh, uh, not not too kosher. And now fast mm-hmm. forward, like the template to go after is like Devco in the US, a Cayman entity that basically acts as the foundation. And then the foundation has this other subsidiary in the British Virgin mm-hmm. Islands, BVI, to help issue the token. Mm-hmm. Now, I've this model I've seen on basically for the last almost a year and a half that this was mm-hmm. like the de facto model across all the of the different projects I, I spoke to. Like everyone seems to be doing this mixed with the safe plus token warrant route. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It, you know, it's interesting to see like you know, all the different things and what's all the different things, everything that's done in the past and what's being done now like this was i felt like i was going to school here honestly like everything was just like so detailed and yeah like you know if you want if if i'm a founder or if i'm you know and if i'm about to like raise a round like this is the podcast i want to be listening to this is the podcast where i'm like taking notes and this is a podcast where i'm going to a lawyer for legal advice because nothing on here is legal advice but going to a lawyer and say like hey like what do you think of this and that and that and uh i think another big takeaway is um you know if you can be as creative as you want, you can be as Ryan says, as strategic as you want. Um, and you can go spend like a bunch in fees or you can just get done what you need to get done and what you're comfortable with to, I think what the most important thing is for you to be safe, uh, for investors to be protected. And, you know, there's a lot of things that you can do, you know, as a project, uh, such as transparency, you know, and showing mm-hmm. when those lockups end and, you know, showing how things work on chain and showing, you know, and just, being a good uh, actor and a transparent actor in the space. Yeah, agreed. And and another part that I felt really insightful was the SEC bit on on mm. the three stages. I I didn't. I think I've heard of that one time, but it's just like no one really breaks it down 
like that in more of the layman mm-hmm. terms. You know, stage one is fairly casual but serious. You know, stage two is really serious, and stage three is oh shit serious. And yeah. you know, having you know Ryan, who's kind of gone through the ringer, kind of like laying it down to us, like kind of quailing some fears, busting some fud. I think was really really helpful too. Oh yeah, I, I think that's one of the most important part of that this podcast as well. It's the fighting of the FUD because, you know, we see things on Twitter. You know, we see people get hysterical. We see people say like, it's so over. But at the end of the day, you know, this it's like this happened before in like a different way and different cycle. And, and things were even more dire back then because the space was that much smaller. Now, you know, things are way more established. You know, there are standard practices in place and we're not going anywhere. It's just a matter of, you know, how much of it will be in the U.S. or how much is going to be scared offshore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, agreed. And also, there's this funny thing that I just want to bring up in one of my group chats, a, a buddy was like, you know, th- there must be a, you know, TI, a, a TA uh, chart specialist working at the SEC, because they seem to come out with like enforcement actions or just bad news at like the critical resistant point. So the price yeah. just like nose dives. Oh. No, they know. <laughs> you know? They know. Oh, I mean, I, they're so all funny. we're all in the same arena. And so whether it's with shit posting with memes or, you know, saying like, oh, it's this time in the charts. Drop it. <laughs> it's like it's like that meme of Young Thug and uh it, I think it's a little dark and like Young Thug's like, No, you right there, like drop it. You know what I'm talking about? No, I do not. Uh, okay. <laughs> but yes. If you know what I'm talking about, yeah. I wonder how many of the viewers here know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I mean, drop a comment if you know what Dave is talking yeah. about. There's going to be some yeah, fly for young you. thug in the studio. If you know what it, if you comment and let me know what it, and guess what it is, and like just say I know, then like you may or may not get a flywheel hat to your door. Uh, well, let's 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 end this post game with with a little cheery stuff. Like, uh, I'm not sure if this is going to come out, you know, before Dave or not. But if you wanted to uh, in, invite some flywheel homies, I think now's the time to do so. Yes, uh, we, you know, ETC coming up big time uh, for Frax, big time for Flywheel DeFi, uh, big time for myself. Uh, I'm only a small part in this. I will be speaking at three conferences. I am giving a speech at ETC about stablecoin maximalism, going over, uh, you know, how stablecoin maximalism has developed as an idea over the past several months since Sam has spoken. And spoiler alert, it's happening. Uh, I'm on a panel. Kit, you're going to love this panel. I'm on a panel about stablecoin censorship re- resistance with Token Bryce, Benjamin from Mai, and the founder of Raft. Oh, wow, yeah. dude. That's, that's a I good know. one. I know. I'm just trying to have a good time. I'm Yeah, I'm just trying to have a good time, honestly. You know, you know, we're, we're all in this together. And so, if, like, if, like people want to, like, come, come aggressive, like, so be it, but I'm going to be me and everyone just going to be smiling on stage. Um, and then uh, I am speaking at Jesse's Hacker House uh, about DeFi oh. and stablecoin maximalism. So I got three uh, events I'm speaking at. And then uh, we're having two events. Uh, we're having a happy hour with Frax. Uh, well, obviously Frax. Uh, our friends at Code for Arena and Bearer Chain. Uh, shout out to those guys, uh, you know, again, for hosting with us. And then, uh, yeah, there's Dave. Um, which is basically my birthday party. All right, everyone. This is a big episode and we're going to keep coming at you with all these episodes week after week. So make sure you hit that bell button, subscribe, leave us a like, 
Let us know what you think in the comments. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at FlywoDefi. Join the conversation on Telegram at FlywoDefi. You can follow me on Twitter at DefiDave22. You can follow me at 0x capital underscore K. And we'll see you next week. Everything said on this episode is not financial or tax advice. This channel is strictly for educational purposes and is not in investment advice or solicitation to buy or sell any assets or to make any financial decisions. This video is not tax advice whatsoever. Please talk to your accountant and do your own research.